You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 14. I'll be reading verses 15 through 24. And I read this morning from the Good News Translation, which is the same translation as your pew Bibles. And so I invite you to page 104 to follow along with today's reading. When one of the men sitting at the table heard Jesus talking about guests and hosts and who should be invited, he said, happy are those who sit down at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to him, there was at once a man who was giving a great feast to which he invited many people. When it was time for the feast, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come for everything is ready. But they all began one after another to make excuses. The first one told the servant, I have bought a field and must go and look at it. Please accept my apologies. Another one said, I have bought five pairs of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please accept my apologies. And another one said, I have just gotten married and for for that reason, I cannot come. The servant went back and told all of this to the master. The master was furious and said to his servant, Hurry out to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring back the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Soon the servant said, Your order has been carried out, sir, but there is room for more. So the master said to the servant, Go out to the country roads and lanes and make people come in so that my house will be full. I tell you that none of those who were invited first will taste my dinner. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together. Amen. Back in 2018, I received an email from our Director of Clergy Development for the Dakota's Annual Conference asking me to be a part of a brand new program called Higher Ground, the Higher Ground Initiative. What the Higher Ground Initiative has become is a year-long program and a year-long commitment to monthly meetings that all culminate in a retreat in the, uh, in the kind of the late summer, and it's all about the dimensions of wellness. For clergy, it's specifically for clergy. It's around physical health and, and spiritual health and mental health and emotional health. Um, and it was a really neat idea that came because of General Conference. And I was a part of the first group of people invited to be a part of it. And I said, no. I said, no, thank you. I have been a part, I love our conference, and I love its leadership, but I've been a part of the first time our conference does things, and there is some accidental um, trial and error and working out the kinks that goes on that I just wasn't necessarily interested in being a part of yet again. So in 2019, I received an email from our director of clergy leadership for the Dakota's Conference, the United Methodist Church, asking me to be a part of the second group that's going to be a part of this thing called the Higher Ground Initiative. But it was 2019, and Simon had just been born, and so I said, no, thank you. Learning how to have two kids rather than just one is going to be challenge enough for the year. 
So in 2020, I received an email from our clergy development coordinator for the Dakotas Conference of the United Methodist Church asking me to be a part of this semi-new program called Higher Ground. But it was 2020. I had already decided to be a part of the conference's nonprofit church leadership certificate program through Dakota Wesleyan. It was also 2020, the year of the pandemic, and also the year of my pastoral move from Burkerrick to Canton. There was going to be enough in that year. I could not take on one more thing. So in 2021, I received an email from my district superintendent inviting me to be a part of this well-established program called the Higher Ground Initiative. So I had a long talk with my wife and a long talk with my DS and a long talk with a couple of clergy colleagues that had also been invited to be a part of Higher Ground And I said, yes. I had officially run out of excuses. I was ready to make another excuse. I was ready to say no. And I stayed skeptical the entire time. But now having been through it and seeing what has come of it, I cannot fully put into words the level of gratitude that I have that I kept being invited and that I finally said yes. going through with higher ground. Our scripture this morning begins where we left off last week. We still find ourselves in Luke chapter 14. Jesus is still the guest in the home of an unnamed Pharisee. Jesus is still at the table with the upper crust and the movers and shakers of the religious world. And just so that we all know where we are in Luke chapter 14, things have not been going very well for Jesus and the, and the group gathered there. There are some fundamental differences that are being highlighted. At the very first section of John chapter, or Luke chapter 14, Jesus heals a man that's been dealing with a swelling issue in his arms and his legs that had to have been very painful. So Jesus provides healing and everyone said, yay, Jesus healed him. No, that's not what happened. Because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath and the Pharisees were completely against healings on the Sabbath. It was offensive to them. So Jesus is at this table and things are already not going very well. And then he chooses to call out the uncouth way that guests dive for the seat of honor. And then to make it even more alienating, Jesus calls out the host and invites the host to rethink his guest list, to rethink those that get invited, and puts an emphasis on the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. That's where we pick up this morning. And seemingly out of a desire to move past this terribly awkward interruption and get things back on track, Someone around the table blurts out saying, how happy are those who will sit down at the feast in the kingdom of God? And the force of that statement is basically to say, let's not deal with this now. Let's move on, sir. We'll sort this out when we get around the table with God in the fullness of God's kingdom. But Jesus, not to be outwitted and not to be misunderstood, told the gathering a parable told the gathering a meal with a story behind it, or a story with a, with a meeting behind it. It's a story about a meal. 
It's a story about a meal where all the right types of people are sent away hungry and where all the wrong people are fed. And one of the details you might have found interesting is that the host sends the servants out just at the nick of time when it's time for the party. And in that day and age, it would have been customary for the host to send the invitation out ahead of time, but not tell the guests what time the party was, just to tell them to plan on having plans for that day. And at the right time, the servants would be sent out to collect all of those that had been RSVP'd as yes. And to change your mind at the last second is an incredible insult to the host. But that's what happens over and over again in the story. One person says that they just bought some new property and need to go inspect it. Another person said that they needed to go test drive some new oxen. And one person didn't want to go and found a way to blame it on his wife, which doesn't ever go well in my house, but he's braver than I am. But we learn in the, I just heard a man say no, amen, my brother. (laughs) What we learn in this story is that these people have a well-honed excuse maker. They sound like they have been invited to be a part of higher ground. But rather than allowing this insult to fester, and rather rather than allowing all this waste in his preparation, the host sends the servants out a second and a third time to invite people in from the edges of society, to invite people to this seemingly immaculate feast. In their book, Meeting Jesus at the Table, pastors Christine Cam- or Cynthia Campbell and Christine Coyfor write that it's as if the host says, forget the social order and fill this table up. Forget replacing people with people of status and fill this table up. Forget everything and fill this table up. And this is exactly what happens. It is done as the host requested. And those that were invited first were not re-invited. Those on the fringes of society enjoy the feast that they had never dreamed of being a part of in the first place. And I'm usually the first person to like admit and I'm the first person to caution against trying to make one-to-one comparisons and parables. Sometimes we are hard-pressed to make one-to-one connections on who is who and what is what in parables that Jesus tells, but this is not that parable. Jesus has already shown us that at this table he finds himself at, he has no time for subtlety. This is a pretty pointed tale, don't you think? The host in the story the person who made all the preparations and sent servants out to collect the people for the party is God, who is our divine host, who made all things and who invites all people. The guests with the finely tuned excuse makers, those that are more interested with their economic or social concerns rather than honoring their prior commitments, is Israel, including those same Pharisees and elites at the table with Jesus. And those invited second and third are the sinners and the outcasts, the lowly and the outsiders, those whom Jesus has been advocating for all along. 
The point is, is that in God's kingdom, the table will be full. In God's kingdom, the table will be full. The banquet hall will be teeming, not with the who's who of the world, but with those that have accepted the invitation to be a part of God's kingdom. And what's interesting to me is that this parable is about more than the communion meal we'll share together in just a few moments. It's about more than seating arrangements. It's about more than places of honor. This parable is about excuses. This parable is about excuses. This parable is about what we do when we are invited and about the excuses that we make. It's first about the excuses made by God's people throughout their long and storied history of making excuses for their unfaithfulness. But it's also about us. God has invited and invited the people of God into covenantal faithfulness. And God has remained faithful even when we were not. Yet we all have finely tuned excuse makers, don't we? We always have something else going on. We may not mean to, but just like the guests in the parable, we have economic reasons as to why we can't live fully faithful lives. And sometimes it's not oxen or land, but it is our jobs. And that happens to pastors too, just so that you know. We are too tired. We are too busy. We've started a new project and we just can't possibly be bothered. And there are social excuses that we make as well. The world doesn't fully understand us sometimes. We're a little bit different on purpose. And that's okay. But it does mean that sometimes the way that we spend our time is a little bit hard to explain to those that don't get it. And so excuses are just easier. But, my friends, but the joy we will experience when we finally say yes, the sights and wonders we will behold when we put our excuses away, the parable in our scripture, the guests at the table experienced something that they never dreamed that they would experience. And in God's kingdom, we have the same opportunity. There are lives that we will touch that we could never anticipate. There are things we will change and a difference that we will make that we can never measure. There is an overwhelming hospitality, a beloved community when we live a life fully bought into the kingdom of God. This scripture presents to us an invitation and it's up to us to decide what we do with it. We can make excuses. We can say no thank you. We can do nothing. But the question will always linger in the back of our heads, what will we have missed if we do that? God invites us to participate in the kingdom if only we will say yes.
Would you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for the invitation that you have made to live a life that reflects who you are. Sometimes we find that daunting. Sometimes we find that too daunting. And so we look for any way we possibly can to get out of it. We make excuses. We give well-reasoned arguments. Oh, but they all fall short. You've made us for more. You've made us to reflect your glory and you've made us to reflect your kingdom. Empower us to put away our excuses and to live in your light, to live in your way, to live in your truth. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.